0: What's up? This is Taylor Schroll, your host of Forte Catholic Radio, live from the Red Sea Radio studio at St. Mary's Catholic Center in College Station, Texas, on Earth in the Milky Way Galaxy. I figured if I was going to explain it that much, I'd just go ahead and do it. So, Welcome to this show. It is a very special show. Uh, We have a great guest today in the second segment, Mr. Jimmy Aiken. You know him from Catholic Answers. You know him from um, his podcast, his radio show, his blog post. He's a great uh, man of apologetics. Um, I'm very, very excited to have him on the show tonight. So uh, make sure you stay tuned for that. Uh, First, I want to talk about where I have been. Last week, I went to NCCYM it's a conference in California the National Catholic Conference of Youth Ministers they use like 17 other different abbreviations for stuff it took me half of the weekend just to figure out all the abbreviations so I'll spare you that's the one you get NCCYM um there's a, obviously a, a youth ministers from all over the nation coming together to to network to learn together to go to workshops to listen to some of the best speakers some of the best musicians in the Catholic world. And it was just so much fun. We went with our, uh, our staff um, with the Blaze Ministries. We met up with um, a lot of our friends over there in San Jose, California. And it was just a great deal of fun. Um, so I want to talk in this first segment about some of the things that I heard, some of the things that I experienced. But before we get into any of the things that I learned, I want to actually tell you about my favorite part of being at the conference. It was, I've been to youth conferences before where there's 3,000, 5,000 young people all worshiping God together, and those are fantastic. It's really cool to see the young church rising up. I tell you what, though, it's something special seeing all the people, you know, 1,000, 2,000 people, the the youth ministers that work with those kids, seeing them all come together to collaborate on things, um, to be humble enough to learn from each other, to learn together. It was just a beautiful week, and I had so much fun Just meeting people. One of the biggest things that I did all weekend was run our booth. So we had a booth there to um, kind of promote um, our ministry, to you know, to meet people, to pray with them, to do some. uh, We were running some surveys to see what kind of products we should offer. Um, My one of my favorite things to do the whole weekend was just to meet people, and it was just super humbling for me. Which is hard to do if you know me. You know that I'm I'm a pretty prideful person, but it really was a humbling weekend for me to meet people. From all across, the, all across the nation, I even met a, a priest from, from Africa, but uh, most, mostly just in our nation. Man, there are people doing ministry with young people in small towns across the nation. In big big cities across the nation, and like it's, it was just cool because sometimes I can think what I'm doing is important, and I know what I'm doing is important, but sometimes I th- might think of myself a little uh, more important than I actually am, right? Um, I have my sphere of influence, but there are so many young people that I can't influence, you can't influence. Um, the best speakers in the world can't influence because th- there are people doing youth ministry in little towns in Wyoming. <laughs> I met some great people from there. In the inner city, in New York City, um, there are just people doing ministry all over the place. And it's just humbling to know that all I'm doing, all you're doing is playing the part in growing the kingdom of God that he wants you to. If you're saying yes to God and you're um, helping out in your local church, whether it's in youth ministry or whether it's as an usher or as a lector or in whatever other ministry that you're doing. I can't list them all because most parishes have like 67 and then that would take up my whole first segment and then we'd be talking to Jimmy Aiken. But, um, it was a great time. I got to see, um, some of the people that I've had on the show. I saw Kyle Hyman there. He was on a couple of, a couple of weeks ago from, from Popple. They performed and just to, there was this Friday night extravaganza and and those guys and a bunch of other comedians and musicians got up there and like, if you want to see over a thousand youth ministers just dying laughing you've got to, there's gotta be video of that somewhere they were they were cracking us up, and it was just really cool because i' I'm an extrovert i feed off of off of like talking to people and and I gain energy from hanging around other people and I got to meet you know you know quote unquote catholic famous people you know like people who are like we see they're super famous to us, but you know they have uh, 10,000 followers on Twitter and then you know Bieber has like 18 trillion or something so but famous in our little Catholic world um, and just to see how humble they are for just people you know random schmucks like you and me to walk up to them and to have a genuine conversation with these guys is a great experience for me our uh, our producer here mr Jake blazek was also at the conference Jake was what was your favorite part about the conference um, I would have to agree with you just meeting everybody
1: who does ministry around the United States. Like it's really cool. Cause like you said, I, I think that what I do is, is, uh, unique and special and like, I'm really important, but to, <laughs> to, to hear the stories of everybody else's ministry and to see, um, the differences between our ministries also was like really, really awesome, uh, to see. And then I also got to go to a bunch of the breakout sessions and that was really awesome. Uh, especially being able to go to like some of those famous Catholic people like or um I think one of my favorite sessions was with uh, Bishop Frank Caggiano from the Diocese of Bridgeport. Uh, he did one of the main sessions, so everybody went to, and then he also did one of the breakout sessions that I went to, and that was just absolutely phenomenal, just hearing how passionate he was about uh, the information that he was giving us. It was on being a missionary disciple, so actually going out and seeking um, the youth that we minister to. So that was really awesome.
0: That's great. And for those of you who don't know, this is Jake's first year in youth ministry. So this is your first youth ministry conference, right? So yeah. um, so what is the biggest thing that from the conference that you're going to take home and apply to your day-in, day-out ministry?
1: Ooh, that's a good question.
0: Um, I asked the tough questions. I'm like a reporter. I know, and you asked me earlier, and I still didn't prepare. <laughs> um,
1: so let's see. I guess on the spot, because I didn't prepare still, uh, I guess it would be, just sharing the good news, like being able to actually go out. Uh, Christopher gave a fantastic talk about how important it is to begin with that and to share the good the good news first. And so that's, you can't really catechize those who aren't evangelized. So we have to evangelize first.
0: Yeah, that's great. I, I, I love that talk for sure. Um, I actually, I've heard him give it a couple of times, and every time I get something new out of it. So, Thanks for sharing, Jake. One of my other favorite uh, parts of the conference was actually the first night. Um, one of my favorite youth ministry leaders, her name's Kara Powell. She's um, she's from Sticky Faith, and what was what one of the things that I love, one of the big things that God's put on my heart to do, is um, like ecumenical ministry. I and mean, what that means is like like. Being friends with and doing ministry with and having conversations with and being real friends with people who other Christians who aren't Catholics, so with with uh, non-denominational people, with uh, Methodists and Baptists and Lutherans and some one of my favorite people uh, to listen to follow on Twitter is this guy named Lex Lutheran. So he's he's a Lutheran guy who uh, tweets like he's Lex Luther. Um, it's a lot of fun, but I love I- engaging with people who are who are Christian, but not Catholic. Um, it's just been a big thing that's been put on my heart for a long time. Um, and Kara Powell actually is some, she's not Catholic. And I, we, I actually saw her at a non-denominational, uh, youth ministry, um, training event, which is pretty much just like this one we went to last week, but not in the Catholic world. And I was just so drawn to everything that she had to say. So many revolutionary things that she had to say, um, and I wanted to share a couple of things that she had um, to say this time, but um, I, yeah, I just wanted to start with uh, like how cool it was. I actually got to talk to her after her talk and, and and thank her for being somebody in the Protestant world who was willing to come to a Catholic event and to she you could tell that she did her homework she knew about the Catholic Church she had studied the Catholic Church, and she was able to share from a place um, a, of of realness in her um, heart, and and to be able to give us a a message that that really stuck to us. So, one of the really interesting things that she said um, was that was it was from Luke chapter two verses forty one and following, and it's a story that we've that we've all heard before. I can probably safely assume about when. Uh, you know, they're leaving the town and Mary and Joseph are in a caravan with their family. And then they, you know, lose God. (laughs) Like they realize the next day, uh, it's been one day they realize that they lost Jesus. So they start going back to the city and they're, they're looking for him. And then two days later, they end up finding him. So first of all, three days is a long time. I lost, I lost my son at a church event that was very similar to this, right? So like at at church events, I, I worked at the church, I would just kind of hand my son to somebody and then they'd hang out with them and then somebody else would steal him. And then, you know, just like we'd be at dinners or whatever in the Paris hall and he would just make his rounds around with people. And then, so we did that for like a year and a half and then all of a sudden we did that. And then we realized a while later, no one knew where he was. It was a very scary moment for me in my life as a parent. I was freaking out because you know, there's streets pretty close to the church and then so we're running around, we split up to try to find him, and I, I go outside, and, and there he is holding you know another adult's hand out, outside, and they're like, oh, are you looking for Christopher? I'm like, yes, we're looking for Christopher. And he was just sitting there smiling and having a lot of fun, uh, and obviously we found him at a church, which is ironic, because that's where Mary and Joseph found Jesus was at at a place of worship, at, um, at the synagogue. And what I had never really heard before, though, is that this was Kara Powell talking about this story being the only story that we have of Jesus as a teenager. And then she started to unpack that and what that means for our ministry with young people. So whether you're in youth ministry or you volunteer at your youth ministry, you support your local youth ministry financially, or if you have kids um, who are either teenagers now or will be teenagers soon, um, or even if you have none of those things, I actually have something to share with you from what she said. Because, If you think about a teenage boy who doesn't have his parents around and he's lost, um, he's going to need a place to sleep. And if you've been around teenage boys, you know he's going to need something to eat within those three days, right? Um, My mom listens to this show and she's probably sitting there rolling rolling her eyes at how much I ate when I was a teenager. I think that's all she did for a few years was just cook so that I could continue eating. Thanks, mom. But somebody had to take care of him, to feed him, and to shelter him. And, and we can safely assume that it was the faith community that did this. They connected not only with his physical needs, but they also connected him through conversation. Because we've, we realize that, um, that the story tells us that when Mary and Joseph come back, they've been sitting there and talking to Jesus for seemingly quite some time, where they've been you know, having discussions about the faith. And what, what Kara was trying to tell us was that this is what the church should look like. This, the church should be like a family, and it should be intergenerational. So think about being one of these you know, Pharisees or Sadducees in the temple, and there's just this kid who's lost. Like, what would you do, right? Well, what they did, and the example that they set for us, is they took him in, they fed him, and they treated him like part of the family. And what Kara is trying to say is like, this is what our churches should feel like. Our churches should feel like family. And, I, and, I, and it hit me so hard because I've been in so many different churches. I've, I've been a visitor at places and I'm Catholic and I don't even feel welcome a lot. You know, it's a, it's a lot of let's go, let's come in, let's walk in the doors, let's sit in this pew for an hour and then let's get out of here. And like, that doesn't feel like a family. You know, family is supposed to feel like, well, you come home and you share stories and you hang out and you take care of one another. So within the context of, of youth ministry, she's saying we should have people in the lives of our young people other than just the youth minister or those, you know, eight to 10 poor souls who are, who are getting time out of purgatory for volunteering in youth ministry. What she says is there's been this typical thing that uh, in youth ministry, it's been a rule that you have to have um, one adult for every five students or some argue six or seven. But for like safe environment things and to be able to chaperone and those sorts of things that you're supposed to have one adult to every five students. And what what um, Kara Powell is 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 uh, saying is that we should actually flip that model. And that if a, if a young person is going to have sticky faith, faith that sticks, faith that sticks around, that keeps them driving as a, as a, as a Christian, is that there should be five adults influencing the life of each young person. We, you and I both know the numbers that so many of our young people, by the time that they're 23 years old, are no longer practicing their Catholic faith. So something has to change, and I'm convinced that this is one of the big things that we need to focus on. So, what does this look like? Okay, well, the parents, um, it, it, the parents don't count because we we should we should asshu- uh, for these five that we should assume, and hopefully uh, sometimes we can't, but we should assume that the parents are are a force for these young people's faith. But even if they're not, that's another point of having these five people. So, if if they're going to church and they're um, enjoying youth group. Well, there you go. There's your youth minister, right? So that's one of their five. Well, maybe it's, how do we fill in the rest of these five? Well, maybe it's an, maybe it's an uncle or an aunt. Maybe it's a teacher at their school. Maybe it's somebody in your neighborhood, a neighbor who you've grown up with. Maybe um, for, for me, I had a, a couple of um, older parents um, in, in my neighborhood that I could um, really rely on and grow from. Some of the parents of my best friends growing up so my challenge for you, parents, um, or people who, or or even if you don't have kids, for for parents, who are the five people that are influencing influencing the life of your young person, of your child, for the faith to, to encourage them to keep keep growing in their faith, and then let's say you don't have kids, let's say you're not in youth ministry, I want to challenge you: How can you be? one of those five people in the life of a young person? Maybe you're not at youth group, but how can you become part of that family, influence the life of that family? And um, she shows a clip from the TV show Parenthood. Um, If you haven't watched the show, I'd encourage checking it out. I know a lot of people really enjoy it. And there's this, there's this scene where this family, so it's like uh, three generations of this family, there's the grandparents and then there's all of their kids and then those kids, kids. So there's three generations and they're adopting. Um, a, One of the, one of the couples is adopting a young, a young child. And it's not just the parents that show up. It's the parents that, that adopted children's new siblings, um, all the cousins, all the aunts and uncles, all the, you know, the, the grandparents all stuffed in this room <laughs> with, with the judge to make it official And they're all standing there, and before the judge, you know, he he goes through and he says, "Do you understand what you're doing, parents?" And he asks the young boy who's being adopted, "Do you understand what you're doing?" And they all agree to it, and before the judge um, makes it official they all go around the room and they say what they're going to do, what they plan to do to be a part of that young man's life, to, to love him and to care for him. And it's just such a beautiful moment. And that's what I want for our churches. That's what I want for your youth ministry. That's what I want for your young people. That's what I want for our families. So um, whenever we come back, we are going to be talking to the one and the only Jimmy aiken he's a great man a giant in apologetics he's a blogger a radio show host and he's um hailing from california working for catholic answers it's going to be a lot of fun so stay tuned right here this is forte catholic with your host taylor schroll Welcome back to Forte Catholic. I'm your host, Taylor Sroll, And as promised, I'm here with a fantastic guest, a special guest from Catholic Answers, Mr. Jimmy Aiken. How are you doing tonight, Jimmy? I'm doing just fine. Thank you very much for having me. No, thank you for coming on. I've been looking forward to this day for a long time. So, I don't <laughs> I don't think you need much of a introduction because I'm pretty sure people have heard you um on on the on your podcast, on Catholic Answers, read your blogs. I know I have for a very long time. When I was in college, I'd go uh pretty much every time I had a question, I'd type it into Catholic Answers and guess who was uh answering that question for me? So, thank you very yeah. much for that. Um, how long, how long have you been, you've been doing stuff with Catholic Answers or or doing apologetics?
2: Um, I, 23 years now.
0: So coming up on 24. So I was, I was four when you started. So you, you have, (laughs) (laughs) you have a lot of experience on me and we can, I can totally tell your, your wisdom and all the hard work that you've put into that. So thank you for that and sharing your gift with, with the church. And I, I also know that you were, I I read on your website today that you were born in Texas. Where where were you born? Mm Mm-hmm. I was born in Corpus Christi. No way. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, so we're, we're, not, we're about four or five hours from there, so we're recording this um, in Bryan College Station. So not, not oh, too okay. far from there. I grew up in the Houston area. I, I worked in Corpus uh-huh. for a while. So yeah, that was a fun little fact I learned about you. And where, are you where are you now? Uh, these days, I'm in San
2: Diego out in California, but I still have family in, uh, in Houston and in, uh, near a little town called Broadus up near Lufkin.
0: Oh, that's exciting! We—I I actually just got. I talked about it last segment. We were just in California this weekend for the National Catholic um, Conference of Youth Ministers, and uh, I actually went to San Diego last year for a conference. It's a pretty place, and we were arguing with um, every time. You know, every time you go to tech, go to California from Texas, there are some arguments about which state is better, and I just had. Uh, three words for people. No state tax. So sorry you're getting that state tax now over there at California.
1: Yeah,
2: one of a number of things about California I'm not so wild about.
0: <laughs> well, I know you're doing some good work to kind of change the culture over, over there. And I know the, the biggest reason that we wanted to have you on tonight is to talk about one of the new big things that you have out now. And that's your new book. Uh, why don't you tell our audience about your new book? Okay. Uh,
2: My new book is called A Daily Defense, and what it is, I'm sure folks have seen those um, like 365-day devotional books where there's a reading for each day of the year. And that's basically what this is, except instead of being devotional, it's informational. So each uh, day of the year, and they're not based on the calendar, so you can start it at any time you want. They're just numbered day one, day two, day three, and so on. Um, each day has a different challenge, either to the Catholic faith specifically or to the Christian faith in general. And then I answer that challenge for you in just the space of a page. I may give recommendations for other things you can read to learn more. But basically, you've got 366, because I put in as a bonus one for leap year, um, you've got 366 defenses of different kinds of attacks on The Christian faith in general and the Catholic faith in particular.
0: Yeah, I, without even knowing it, I've been waiting for this book for years and I'm so thankful that she did it because so many, so many times I see it takes me a long time to find a quick answer to apologetics, you know. So I'd go to a website or I'd Google it and and I would find, you know, either forums or long drawn out answers. And I love this because it's one page and it's, it's, uh, it's not overbearing. It's very um, short and to the point. I, I love it so much. I, I'm, so I actually got the book seven days ago, and I'm on day uh-huh. seven, and I'm really enjoying it. So what was your inspiration for writing this book the way that you did? The publisher asked me to. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> the, 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 that's uh, the best way for discernment that I've found as well. So <laughs> 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 that, that's, that's now, fantastic. Uh,
2: I often have, you know, things that I'm I'm particularly passionate about writing about and that I really want to write about. But in this case, the idea actually came from the publisher, but I'm so glad it did because I had a blast writing this book. Um, it was challenging at first, you know, to be able to write single, you know, not only hundreds literally of things, but confining each one to basically the same number of words. Each one of these is basically 380 words long. So they only take like three, four minutes to read. They're very brief. And you can read them either once a day, which is kind of the way it's designed, or you can do what I think a lot of people are already doing, which is binge reading the same way that uh, you know we binge watch television show seasons on Netflix these days, just one episode after another. You can also read one page after another if you want. And since the days are numbered rather than tied to the calendar, you don't have to worry about getting out of sync with anything. But uh, I had a blast writing this book because it it not only did I get to um, answer a lot of the common questions that we hear all the time, but I also got to write about a lot of things that I'd never had the opportunity to write about before, and so that's one of the things that made it really fun for me. I have what sometimes has been termed an interdisciplinary approach to defending the faith because I'm I'm curious about lots of different things like history and science and language, and so I try to pull information from all of those different fields in to uh, defend the faith, and I guarantee, even if you're someone who's read a lot of apologetics books before, just because of the amount of stuff I got to take on in here, in the way I got to do it, I was able to pull in a lot of new material, so there's going to be a lot of stuff that's fresh and that you haven't encountered before, even if you're an experienced uh, faith defender. And so I think people will really like it, and I hope they enjoy it as much as I enjoyed writing it.
0: Yeah, no, I can totally speak to that. I've, I've been in ministry for over 10 years, and I, I studied theology in undergrad, graduated there, and I have I'm I'm halfway done with my masters in theology, and I've already learned stuff in the first seven days. So, what you said is true. I'm very much learning new things, learning new ways to to share the faith and to answer some of these questions. Because I work with junior high students, and uh, I I find that a lot of these tough questions come from adults and they come from junior high students. So it's already been very
2: students are a tough audience.
0: Very, very much so. Very much so. I, I, am, um, I, I thankfully have not uh, done anything that I shouldn't. So, so whenever I well, get God, frustrated with them. Yeah.
2: God bless you for working with them.
0: Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, so I, 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 um, you, you, know, you mentioned that there are some things that you hadn't really um, written about or spoken about before. What were some of those topics in the book that were new for you that were, that were fun to take on this new challenge?
2: One of the things that, um, that I really enjoyed doing was, like, just to pick an example from some of the history stuff, um, w- you know, there's, there's a, uh, there are two different accounts of Judas's death in the New Testament. Um, in the Gospel of Matthew, we read that he killed himself. And in the Book of Acts, we read that he fell headlong and burst open. And there have been a lot of different ways that people have proposed for harmonizing those two. But in this book, one of the things I point out is that there's an early Christian writer, his name is Papias of Hierapolis, and he lived and wrote around the year 120 A.D. So he actually knew some of the original disciples of Jesus. And according to him, um, Judas survived his initial suicide attempt and he also says he was really swollen and then that's what led to him falling and bursting open. Oh wow. Now it so happens that if you try to strangle yourself and there are actually cases, you know, where people have been strangled, you can damage your heart in such a way that your body will suffer edema or swelling. And it's possible, therefore, medically possible, that even though Judas tried to hang himself, he survived the hanging, which people sometimes do, but he damaged his heart in such a way that he got uh, edema and swole up, like uh, Papias says. And so it could be that this early Christian writer from, you know, like 120 A.D., less than 100 years after the event, um, is preserving an accurate understanding of what happened to Judas medically, even though they didn't have the medical science at the time to understand it.
0: Wow, that's really interesting. I've never even heard anything like that before. So thanks for for sharing that with me, and I know somebody out there is going to enjoy that as well. So one of the things that you write in your, in your introduction, um, two things is that you you say that the the history of Christianity is one of debate and that the solution Mm -hmm. is to mount a daily defense. One of the things that I've seen a lot when, um, um, when people try to do apologetics or, or share, share the faith through apologetics is that a lot of time it is, um, you know, brought back by heated debate. Um, so, what kind of play devil's devil's advocate here for a second? Let you let you defend yourself. Um, what yeah. what's the point of apologetics um, in sharing the faith in in living the faith out?
2: Well, um, the Catholic faith is the message that God has for the world. He loves the world. He gave Jesus Christ, uh, His Son, to redeem us from our sins, so that we could have eternal happiness with Him. That's good news, and that's uh, something that if we're loving individuals, we don't just want that for ourselves. We want that for everybody. We want to help everybody. We want everyone to be saved and to have eternal happiness with God and with us. And so that's a natural Im- that gives us a natural impulse to want to share our faith. And as we do that, because people are going to have you know, questions and objections. We're going to need to be able to offer a defense for our faith, as well as offering evidence for this is why the faith is true. And so, the fact that we love other people, and that God has loved us, and that God loves them, it gives us a reason to go forward and defend our faith in love.
0: No, yeah, thank you so much for for that. Um, one of the one of the scripture references that you um, referred to is First Peter three, uh, verse fourteen and fifteen. It says to always be prepared to make an offense, which obviously goes with the book, um, to anyone who calls you to account for the hope that is in that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and reverence. And I, and like yeah. if, I look even in my own life and I've gotten into some heated debates with people, um, when doing stuff, you know, when, when asked some of these questions. Um, and that, I thank you for that reminder that we need to do it with gentleness and with love, because like you said, this is all about joy and happiness. And I had a, a teacher in grad school who always said that every new thing that we learn about God is a new reason to love him. Um, so, mm-hmm. um, other things from, from the book, um, what are, we talked about some of the topics that were new for you. What are your favorite things to talk about in, in, the, in the world of apologetics?
2: Mm, boy, it's hard to say. There's so many. Um, I'm a big fan of science. I read science books just for fun, and I check science websites multiple times a day, Um, so I I enjoy uh, dealing with scientific questions and how they relate to the faith, and there's a bunch of that in the book. Um, I'm also a fan of history, particularly ancient history, and so I I work that into the book in different ways. Um, I like studying the Bible, and so there are a lot of questions specifically about Bible passages, like the one about Judas that we mentioned. Um, There are a lot of others as well. And I don't know, it's just hard to say. I, one thing that I really enjoy is personally, just one of my hobbies is biblical chronology, which is the study of when things happened in the ancient world. And I just love biblical chronology because it's a giant detective story going through the books of the Bible and other ancient works and getting clues about when things happened. So, for example, um, I think we can prove with a high degree of accuracy that Jesus was crucified on April 3rd in the year AD 33. Also, we can show that he was born either in the year 3 BC or 2 BC. Um, and I'm especially interested in this. I actually get into in the, and I get into these topics in the book a bit. Um, but I'm also interested in when the books of the New Testament were written, because you sometimes hear people saying things like, "Oh, well, the Gospels were just written way after the events the events they describe. You know, they couldn't possibly be accurate." Well, let's think about that. I mean, people write biographies of Abraham Lincoln today, but nobody today met Abraham Lincoln. (laughs) That doesn't stop their biographies from being good. Um, But even then, if you you look at the evidence in the Gospels, we can show, with a high degree of, of reliability, that the Gospel of Luke was written around the year 59, okay? And Mark preceded Luke by a a few years, and so it was presumably written, let's say, around A.D. 55, okay? If Jesus was crucified in A.D. 33 and Mark was written in A.D. uh, 55, then that means it was written 22 years after the crucifixion. Well, that's the difference between now, 2016, and 1994, (laughs) Now, I don't know about you, because you're a younger guy, but I definitely remember 1994. I was already working at Catholic Answers in 1994, and I can certainly write accurately about events that happened in 1994. And so uh, the idea that the Gospels were late and therefore unreliable is just wrong on both counts, just because a work is written later like the biographies of Abraham Lincoln, doesn't mean it's inaccurate, and the Gospels were not written later. They were written very quickly after the events in question, and certainly within the living memory of eyewitnesses.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like that, As I hear you talking, I'm sitting here thinking, oh my gosh, Jimmy Aiken is the Batman of apologetics he's a he's a he's a detective he's looking at science he's looking at history he's looking at no (laughs) you're batman i I, i'm pretty sure i just figured out who batman is (laughs) i'll i'll quote you on that on facebook (laughs) there you go there you go so uh we have about we have just over two minutes left so before before we go i want to i want to make sure that to get this book in the hands of as many people as possible so where can we find you and where can we find your book Okay, uh,
2: people can go either to my personal website uh, jimmyaiken.com if they want to learn about me, or they can go to catholic.com where I work. If they uh, want to get the book, and I hope they do, both for themselves and as a present for others at Christmas, um, they can go to shop.catholic.com. That's the um, that's the online store at catholic.com, and we have specials on it right now, so you can get it at a discounted rate. In fact, I think they may even have a Cyber Monday. special on it and it's available both in paperback and electronic you can also go to amazon.com and get either the paperback or the kindle version and so if you're like me and you need instant information gratification you could download the kindle version and be reading it in mere seconds Also, if you're like me and you like audiobooks, you could get the Kindle version and then have your Kindle read it to you out loud. That's how
0: I do everything. I'm such an auditory learner. Me too. Just to to show how much I'm enjoying this book, people who know me know that I do not like reading. I've actually been reading your book. So that is a testament to you, because you must have done something right to keep my attention. So... um, Check out this great resource, A Daily Defense, from Jimmy Aiken. And in the last minute, Jimmy, um, the one thing that I want to, that you to leave the audience with is they can find all the content and the information in your book, but what would be a practical tip on how to share, this, share these things, the method of going about having these conversation, conversations and how to um, share, share your faith with apologetics?
2: The number one rule is one we've already touched on, which is be loving, Uh, whatever else you do, don't come off as a jerk. Don't justify quote unquote, tough love with someone. Um, be humble, listen to them, make sure they know that you're taking what they have to say seriously, that you're not just dismissing it or nodding your head going, uh, uh when you're really not listening, listen to people care about what they're saying, think about what they're saying, and then in a loving way, tell them how you'd respond.
0: That's so great. I want to thank you so much, um, not only for coming on the show, but for your ministry. I've been following you for years, and this really, truly has been such an honor and a Christmas present for me, and I hope that people go out and get the book so that it can be a Christmas present for them or a loved one. Jimmy, thank you so much. God bless you. Thank
2: you. Likewise. Merry Christmas.
0: You too. Welcome back to the third segment of tonight's Forte Catholic. This is your good old pal, Taylor Stroll, your host. This has been a fun show. I tell you what, that interview with Jimmy Aiken was way too much fun. I was, I'm was, i definitely deeply honored that he, that he reached out and wanted to be on the show. Um, and I, I hope to have him again in the future. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview and go check out that book. So his book is called... A daily defense. So I want to do this um, third segment um, and kind of rename that just a little bit and and call it a daily preparation. It's kind of the same idea. So the idea of the book is that um, each day you read something to grow a little bit better in your knowledge and your ability to answer some of the tough questions that you may be asked or maybe that you've um, struggled with doubt before and you want to get answers to. So I want to talk about a daily preparation. So not just in the knowledge sense, but now let's talk about the spiritual. So um, what kind of brought this on is last night I was at a youth night in Brenham and um, I was just kind of going to check it out, see how our youth ministers were doing and and make sure the ministry was running smoothly. So I went out there and um, a couple of the small group leaders um, hadn't, didn't make it that night. So I was asked to to step in as a small group leader. And I was like, yeah, sure, it would be a lot of fun. So I was with the 10th grade boys and, and it was a, a really neat group of young people. And um, Justin Kroger, the youth minister out there gave a talk on, on prayer and, and how we should be praying daily to grow in our spiritual life. And he talked, he, he did it really neat. He, he did his first half of his talk and then we went to our small groups for a Bible study. And then he brought us back to finish up his talk, and the you know, because obviously the Bible study has had to do with the topic, and then um we went to small groups. We were able to talk about it again. So it was a really neat and creative way to do that. But what was really cool for me was that our group got assigned the scripture of Galatians chapter five, verse twenty two to twenty three. So if you're uh, driving in your car, just go ahead and stay listening to me. If not, I'd I'd urge you to to find your paper Bible to look it up on Google or uh, do what I do and use the YouVersion Bible app on your phone or iPad, because this is something that you're going to want to highlight if it's not highlighted already. So it's Galatians chapter five, verse 22 through 23. And it says this, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. So we were talking about this um, in the context of prayer and how we want to grow in prayer. Um, Justin told a story about about his father and how about how his father wasn't all is a great holy man now and and just a leader in his community, a leader, a great leader of the men um, of his three sons. Um, But Justin was saying that he wasn't always that way. Um, that, that he, he wasn't always uh, a devout Catholic and, and a prayerful and spiritual man. And so I challenged these kids, and I was like, I don't care where you are in your faith right now, but close your eyes. And unless you're driving, I'd urge you to do the same thing right now. If you're driving, I don't want you to go to a Jesus-take-the-wheel moment because uh, I still want you to, to be safe on the roads. But if not, close your eyes. And what I want you to do is no matter how old you are close your eyes and picture what you what picture your life in 15 years what does your life look like what kind of person are you and what i want what i want to do is no matter what version of yourself that you see what I hope is, what I would expect is that it's a better version of yourself than, than you listening to this podcast. Maybe in 15 years, you'll have smartened up and realized you shouldn't be listening to me anymore. <laughs> but, uh, so I, I'm, I'm going to use this opportunity while I have it. What I want to do is to, is to challenge you today to make a daily preparation to be that best version of yourself that you see in 15 years. Because when I look at it, I see a much more loving, joyous, peaceful, patient, kind, generous, faithful, gentle, and, 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 so, and someone who's more, with more self-control than I do today. And I, and I did this with these young people, and it, it was really funny because one of their eyes brightened up real big um, whenever he started counting the years of 15 because he's 16 years old. If you add 16 and 15, you get 31. And I, I said, what did you picture? And he said, I pictured myself being a husband and a father. And it like freaked him out because he was like, I'm not ready to be a husband and a father. And I said, well, good. You shouldn't be. You know? <laughs> I hope you don't have any plans on that soon. But what can, I, I challenged him and I asked him, like, what can you do today to prepare to be that man the husband and the father that you want to be in 15 years. And he, and he said, well, I, I need to start praying. And it was just such a cool moment for me but to, to see the light go off in this young man's eyes. And, and once he shared that, the light started going off in all of his small group, the rest of the small group, which is one of the reasons I love small group, because one person has an insight and then all of a sudden everybody gets to share that. And that's that, that family atmosphere that we were talking about in the first segment. And then we, we got into this conversation of, of, okay, looking at their life today. What in their life today is helping them to become the man that they want to be in 15 years? We started talking about um, school. How does school help them be a better person? They were like practical things. Well, it helps you to get on time, to, to be on time. It also helps with grammar, so you don't say get on time. It helps you learn things, learn skills. Work with people. All of these things are things that they were saying, and there was one guy who was stumped. He was like, "Well, I love baseball. It's like how how does baseball help me be a better man?" And I and I was like, "Well, think about it." He was like, "Oh, well, well, the guys in the team make me a better person. You know, being around those guys makes they challenge me to be a better person." I'm like, "Well, that's great." He's like, and then he's like, "Oh, I'm starting to get it." He's like, "Oh yeah, I'm I'm starting to to see that like my dedication to the game and the dedication to my workouts, the consistency in that." That helps me to be like more dedicated, a more dedicated person, which will then help me to be dedicated to my faith. I'm like, see, there you go. It's perfect. And he's he got the one of the biggest premises that we talk about on this show, which is you know, finding what is true, good, and beautiful outside the church, just in our daily life and in in creation, in all the other things that we do that aren't necessarily you know, church events, but how like the, the game of baseball is helping mold him into the man that he sees God helping him to become in 15 years. And then there was another interesting question because there's that last line. It says against all these things, all the love, joy, peace, patience, and all those things that he lists against such, there is no law. And one of the kids was like, Oh, well actually there are laws. It's like, we can't talk about God in our schools. I'm like, well, actually you can, you know, the teachers can't. And, uh, the principals can't unless they're asked. There's weird rules about that. I was like, but there's nobody stopping you from praying at lunch or to talking to people about God. There's, there's no law about that. And I said, let's take it a step further, though. Let, let's take your premise. and like, let's, let's say it was. Let's say it was illegal to be Catholic because there have been many times um, in our past with our saints that we see, and there are many times, there are many places in this world currently where it's illegal to be Catholic, illegal to be Christian, illegal to share your faith, illegal, illegal to talk about it. So then, I, so then I challenged him. I was like, okay, so there's a law against, against being Catholic, but does that make this scripture wrong? And he started thinking about it, and he was real confused. <laughs> and I was like, well, look. Like, look at, at Paul. He was in jail for sharing the faith, which meant that it was, quote, unquote, illegal, right? You don't go to jail for non-illegal things. And I said, but he was still a man of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. They were singing hymns in jail. Joyous people. They were sharing. Like Paul was talking to his jailer and trying to convert his jailer and love on his jailer. Like there is no law in this country or anywhere in the world that can keep us from the love, joy, peace, patience, all these things that God has in store for us and wants for us. There's no law that can, keep, that can keep that away from us. So um, another thing that we talked about in that small group was I, I asked them, I was like, who has influenced you the most in your faith and how? A lot of them said, you know, it was their parents or their grandparents. How um, One of them said that their grandfather, um, everything that he did was, was surrounded by his faith, and, and he, he wove his faith into everything that he did. He's a big hunter, and he took his grandson, who I was talking to, hunting, and, you know, they, whenever they, they, they got a deer, um, the first thing that they did was pray in Thanksgiving that God had, had delivered this deer to them. And whenever they ate at Thanksgiving, they all prayed. And whenever they all got together, like everything was just surrounded by and influenced by Christ. There's another young man who said that he, that he had lost his father and that his mother has been, had been his rock through all that. that. That she was loving on him and that he saw Christ in his mother. That even through her suffering and the son's suffering, that she was still loving him and, and wanting the best for her son. And the stories go on and on and on about how, all these great things that these young people were sharing with me. And I, I, that's one of the reasons I wanted to, to bring it up on the show tonight. And there's one thing that I want you to do. So every, every week I, I post this podcast on ForteCatholic.com radio. If you go there, you can see this episode. It'll be up on December 7th. What I want you to do is is to is to keep this going to keep this sharing going if you could go to to the website and share answering this question who has influenced you the most in your faith and how there's a comment section at the bottom so you'll see the podcast there you'll see the comments below um, I just love it if you guys would would help me out and 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 share your story um, and help build this community around Forte Catholic so um The next thing that I want to do, we've been talking a lot about um, sharing the faith with Jimmy Akin. We talked about how in the first segment that I was um, at this Youth Ministers Convention where they were teaching us how to share the faith more and seeing all these great people who were sharing the faith all over the place. Um, But not only thinking about this question of who has influenced you the most in your faith and how, but how are you going to be that person for someone else? How are you going to influence the faith walk, the faith journey, and help somebody along in their faith walk. Because what I want for you and what I want for the kingdom of God is that everybody, um, that some, that there's at least one person in the world that can say that you are the person that has been their model of faith, the person that has helped them in their faith so that um, in in days or weeks or years to come that they can say that it was your witness that helped them to become a better Christian, a better Catholic. So to do that, I want to do a, a segment that we haven't done in a while called the Forte Five. It's where I uh, count down my, f- um, th- my five, just like uh, some of these late night talk show guys do their top tens or those t- types of things. Today, we're going to do our Forte Five on my tips for sharing the faith. Let's get started. Uh, yeah, I love this song. It's a lot of fun. All right, here we go. Five, four, three, two, one. All right, so number five, my top five tips for sharing your faith. Number one, a daily preparation through prayer and study. So um, for us to be able to share Christ with someone, we have to be connected with Christ. Uh, We have to recognize that Christ is in us, and we need to— Build up our prayer life. And then also, we need to you know, know the know the information, know the things that we need to be sharing. That's why Jimmy Akin's book, A Daily Defense, that we talked about, can be a great um, resource for you in that. Catholic Answers has helped me a lot. So just learning and knowing our faith and connecting that with our prayer, that's number five. Number four find a mentor. Find somebody who can lead you in this category, somebody that you can look up to. This can going to be somebody in your church. It can be your pastor. It can be your former youth minister. And if um, you're like me and you want a virtual mentor, you can find great podcasts on people who are, are, are great at sharing the faith, people like Jimmy Akin or these apologists that can help you in this. Um, just find somebody who can help you out and help grow you and your skills and your knowledge to be a better minister of the faith. Number three, live in a way that makes your message stand firm. So you could, I can say all the right things. You can say all the right things and know all the answers. But if you're not living your faith out, people are going to see that and they're not going to listen to a single word that you say. So do what I do because I'm not perfect and say, look, I'm a sinner. I mess up. I need God's grace and forgiveness just like you do. Let's walk in this journey together. So um, turn your mess into a message, all that good stuff. So number two, this is the biggest thing that you need to keep in your back pocket as as you're starting this journey or continuing this journey. The phrase, I don't know, but I'll find out. So when someone asks you a tough question, a question that you don't know the answer to, Don't try to blab off some answer that you think you might have heard in a homily a long time ago that you weren't listening to. Say, I don't know, but I'll find out. That shows that you care about the person, that you want to give a good answer. It shows humility. It shows all these things. And when you actually come back with an answer, it shows that you value that person's question. You value that person's time. And then number one, the number one thing in all of this is to be their friend. Just walk in life with people. As, as Jimmy Akin was saying, we have to be able to love them. He says in his book that apologetics examines and presents the evidence showing God has communicated with us. And its ultimate purpose is to lead us to discover God and the joy and happiness he wants us to have. So share that love, joy, and happiness with people. Cool. That's Forte 5. That was a lot of fun. So this has been a great show. Um, I want to thank Jake, our uh, executive producer, the special man of the hour here, for all that he does behind the scenes. I want to thank Jimmy Aiken for coming on the show. And I want to thank you guys for listening. This has been such a, a cool experience for me being on the air. We're, I think, 11 episodes in. If you, if you, if you um, want more from, from me, by, from my blog, from my podcast, some videos that I do, you can go to Fortecatholic.com. If you click on the blog, if you click on the radio, there's a way that you can sign up to my mailing list. I, I send out an email a week, so I won't, I won't blow up your email. Um, an email a week just to, to keep you caught up on all the things that we are doing. Um, you can also, like I said earlier, you can comment on, on the radio show to get involved in the conversation. Uh, you can comment on my blog. I just love to to hear from you guys. I've I've heard a lot of great feedback. I've gotten a lot of great questions. So if you um, whatever you want, if you have comments, you have questions that you want me to answer on the show, if you have suggestions for topics, questions that you have, I would love to hear them. You can find all that on the website. You can find all my social media stuff there on Twitter and Instagram and the Snappy Chatty and all that stuff. So. I'd love to connect with you. So until next week, um, it's been it's been a lot of fun to be with you tonight. Uh, we will have my good friend Steve Picorni on next week. He's going to be talking to us about his upcoming book and dating, and uh, we have a fun story about how we got to know each other. So check out the podcast. Check out the website. It's been fun. See ya.